Look, I want you to open your Bibles this morning to Philippians chapter 1. We're going to get right into this word, and I think something super powerful is going to transpire over the next few moments. Um, if you've ever read a pastoral epistle or if you've ever seen the heart of a pastor toward his people, then you have to read the epistle to the church at Philippi or the book of Philippians as we would refer to it. Because in this book, you see the heart of a pastor that genuinely loves his people and wants the best for them. You know, Paul had a dear love for the churches that he was the overseer of. And you see many times in Scripture, he expresses that love to them. At one point, he lists everything that he's gone through in his life. And the final thing he says, he says this, besides all this, my daily concern for the churches. You know, a pastor's heart is always toward his people, and he wants what is best for them. And you know, as we've gone through this season, it has been very testing, and it's been very trying for pastors. I know it has for me. The pressure is unique because it comes to at you in multifaceted forms. When you think you've got one situation calmed down, another one will arise. And it seems it's just you're always trying to bring a calming effect to the people around you. So when I was in prayer last night and this morning, I asked the Lord for a word for you. And I heard very clearly the Lord speak to me and say, encourage the people. And I said, Lord, I've been doing that all along. And he said, that's right. And the things you have done do so more and more. So today, I'm going to encourage you to the best of my ability. By the time I get through preaching this word, you're going to feel like everything will be all right in Jesus' name. Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 12. Now, he, he's already writing in the first chapter a word of commendation, a word of comfort, a word of counsel, a word of confidence. In verse 6, he says, I've learned a lot of stuff to this church. He says, I've learned a lot of stuff, but I'm confident about one thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it. He says, I'm confident about that. And I walk in that same confidence for all of you watching this today. Verse 12 is where we'll pick up in chapter 1. But I would, he says, that you should understand, brothers, that you should understand that the things which happened to me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. Listen carefully to the word today. And many of the brothers in the Lord waxing what? Confident by my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds. But the other ones, they preach out of love, knowing that I am set, listen what he says, I am set for the defense of the gospel. Boy, that's strong. The apostle says, I know I am set for the defense of the good news. Verse 18, he says, What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. That's the most important thing. 
and I therein do rejoice, yes, and I will continue to rejoice. Can I go ahead and declare that and decree that right now? You've got a pastor right here that does rejoice, and guess what? I'm going to continue to rejoice. People are going to have opinions and change their mind, but we are going to what? Continue to rejoice. Verse 19 says, and watch this, for I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in, that in nothing I shall be ashamed. In nothing shall I be ashamed, but with all boldness as always. So now also Christ whew, shall be magnified in my body. Watch what he says. Whether it be by life or by death, Jesus is going to be magnified. What a goal. What an objective. And ultimately, what a great achievement we saw the Apostle Paul produce. Father, speak to your people today over the next few moments of time. We thank you for comfort and counsel in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. I'm going to preach a message this morning entitled, Time for a Turnaround. As a matter of fact, if there's someone close to you in your living room, wherever you are, you ought to just look at them right now and tell them, time for a turnaround. If there's no one there, then look at yourself in the mirror and say, it's time for a turnaround. The last eight to ten weeks have proved to be a very, very trying time for all of us. I know you would agree with that. It has brought challenges. It has forced change. It disrupted our routines, and it made us all uncomfortable in one way or another. All of us have been made uncomfortable in one way or another. My prayer is that you have not missed the good that came in and through all of this and is still happening. There's a lot of good still happening. One of the things that I celebrate today is the fact that over 120 people have given their life to Jesus Christ over the last three and a half to four weeks through Quest Church, through this media right here. So I celebrate that good today. Yes, it's been inconvenient. Yes, we've been on a shelter in place and a quarantine season, but guess what? That has not stopped the gospel from going forward and people's lives being changed. Needless to say, we're ready to move on. I don't know about you all, but I'm ready for next. I'm not ready for normal. I'm ready for next. Because whatever next is, is going to be super abundantly above what was normal in the past. So I'm saying, Lord, bring on what's next. Let's, let's just for a moment and listen to me. Go ahead and like and comment and say, preach, pastor, and share this, please. And do not turn this off till I'm done preaching because this is going to help you. Amen. Philippians chapter 1 verse 12. I'm going to pull two scriptures out of this text. Verse 12 and verse 19. Look at verse 12. The things which happened to me. Underline those three words. Happened to me. Have fallen out rather to the furtherance of the gospel. Then skip down to verse 19. 
Watch what it says. For I know that this shall turn, who? This shall what? Turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Here's a fact and here's a truth. Number one, it happens. <laughs> Things happen to us. That's what they say, right? It happens. Yeah. Things happen to us. Things happen to us. That's a fact, and that's the truth. And Paul said, this happened to me. There's a determination that we must all make. Here it is. I made this determination about 14 years ago. Here it is. Instead of trying to figure my destiny out, I am trying to figure into my destiny. Instead of trying to figure my destiny out, I'm trying to figure into my destiny. This process is what we call the process of discovery. You've heard me say many times, and I want you to hear it with clarity today. You really don't decide your destiny as much as you discover your destiny. So to discover it, you must ask yourself the question, where do I fit into the destiny that God has perfectly planned out for my life. There is in uh, the sphere of what is called the, the philosophy of possibility. Okay? You write that down. The philosophy of possibility. There's what is called two things. The calculating self and the central self. Some of you have heard me talk about this before. The philosophy the philosophy of possibility, the calculating self and the central self. Don't miss this. This is going to help you. Is oftentimes the ability to distinguish between what you feel and what is really fact. It's the ability to distinguish between feeling and fact. The calculating self gets irritated at the rainstorm in Florida. Not because it's raining, but because you're there on vacation. The central self says, I am on vacation in Florida, and it's raining. This is wonderful for the citrus crops. <laughs> now, let me make something special happen for my family. It's the difference between the calculating self and the central self. You get in trouble when you start saying things like this. This is the way things should be. You get in trouble when you say, this is how it ought to be. See, when God is sovereign in your life, you don't always have to be in control. You just trust him that he's handling everything, that he's got you. You release yourself to possibility when you say this is the way things are. Now, where do we go from here and how do we act in here? And that's very important for you to understand because it releases you to a whole realm of possibility. And that's where God has us right now. 
He is dropping down right in front of us incredible opportunity, incredible possibilities. With God, all things are possible. There's nothing impossible when God is involved. So I want you to graduate your faith there today and realize there are things that just happen in life. Job says it like this in Job 3.23. Why is life given to a man whose way is hidden, whom God has hedged in? For sighing has become my daily food. My groans pour out like water. Listen to this man. Verse 25, watch what he says. What I feared has come upon me. And what I dreaded has happened to me. I always say this all the time to all people. What you faith the most is coming toward you. And what you fear the most is coming toward you. Fear and faith both attract. So be careful not to walk in fear. And be careful that you always walk in faith. Because what you faith is heading toward you. And Job said, the thing I feared the most happened to me. Things happen to us in life. It's just a fact. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.10, you, however, know all about my teaching. You know my way of life. You know my purpose. You know my faith. You know my patience. You know my love. This is a pastor talking to his spiritual son. You know my endurance. You know the persecutions I've been through, the sufferings I've endured. He said, what kinds of things happen to me? You know about it. You know what I've endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from them all. Yes, things happen to us. But here's the promise. God rescues us from how many of them? All of them. David said, once I was young and now I am old. I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord shall deliver him from them. How many? All. You need to say all today. God will bring you through all of them. When I was preparing this this morning, something just dropped in my heart and I wrote it down. We usually handle resistance better when we know the reason for it. Listen to it. We deal with disturbance better when we have the details of what's coming next. We handle the wars of life better when we know why the war started. We handle fights better when we know it's producing a brighter future. But how do you handle it when you don't know the reason? How do you live when you don't know the outcome? We better learn something here. Jesus said, he that endures to the end shall be saved. Not he who is enlightened about the end. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. What are you saying, Pastor Rick? Some things you ain't never going to figure out. And the question is not, are you going to, the question is, how are you doing in it? So it happens. Things happen to us. Point number two is this. What has happened with what happened? Yeah, 
That's what Paul goes on to explain to this church. This is what happened to what happened. <laughs> Philippians 1.12, that the things which happened to me have fallen out rather to the furtherance of the gospel. The first thing that has happened with what happened is God's agenda was advanced. And when you read it in the Greek terminology, oh, it's so powerful because it's a military movement. It has to do with removing the underbrush so you can see clearly into your future. It's a very aggressive military maneuver that you thought you had me bound because I'm in these chains. But what you did not know is that God got up underneath the gospel and moved it forward like a warring machine. And I came by to tell you that when you are going through stuff, the gospel has a way of carrying on into places you never dreamed. When you read it in the New Living Translation, it says it like this. I want you to know, my dear brothers and my dear sisters, that everything that has happened to me has helped to spread the good news. My God, have mercy. Can you say that today? That everything that has happened to us in this season has spread the good news, not the bad news. What has happened to me is not making me push an agenda of liberal bad news. I'm sorry that slipped in there because I was accused lately of pandering to the liberal agenda. Wow. That's what I say. Wow. I have an agenda. So I want y'all to write Pastor Rick's agenda down. In this season of stuff happening, I am propagating. I am pushing. I am preaching. I am proclaiming good news. That's my job. That's what I'm anointed to do. And he says, what happened to, listen to the message Bible. I want to report to you, friends, that my imprisonment here has had the opposite whew, of its intended effect. Instead of being squelched, the message has actually prospered. Whew. What happens to us should always end up furthering the gospel or the good news of Jesus. What happens to us should ultimately advance God's kingdom in this earth. What happens to us will finally result in the opposite of its intended effect. My God, I hope you can hear this preacher today. It happened to you and it had an intention to take you out. But God says it's going to have the opposite of the intended effect. It came in with this intention to discourage you, destroy you, disqualify you, distract you. But God said it's going to do the exact opposite of what it was intended to do. This season, this pandemic had an intention behind it. But I came by to tell you the very opposite is happening than what was intended to happen through this season. The church is growing. That's a fact. The gospel is advancing. That's a fact. So he says with Joseph, Joseph looks at his brothers and says, you meant this. You had an intention for evil. 
Read the Bible in Genesis 50 and verse 20. God meant it to good. Before you had your meaning, God already had his. It came in with an intention to take me out. But God said, I'm going to reverse it and it's going to promote you. When it says God meant it to my good, it literally means he plotted this thing and he wove it together, fabricated it, devised it, and purposed it for your promotion. Whoo! Did God make it happen or did God let it happen? I don't know and I don't care. All I know is God is weaving in the background. God is fabricating for my future. God is plotting a purpose for me to prosper and be promoted. See that today. So he says, number one, God's agenda has advanced. Then the second thing he says is I went through this not just for me. Don't miss this here. Verse 14, and many of the brothers in the Lord waxing confident by my stuff, by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Whew. I'm going to go ahead and say this. I believe that God allows you to go through some things not for you. He allows you to go through it for others. Yeah. Somehow and some way God uses what we go through to encourage others who are watching what we are going through. Yeah. Therefore, he has to trust you with it before he allows you to go through it. God trusted the church with this season to see how we would react, to see how we would respond. He believed in us enough to allow us to go through this so that he could further his kingdom, <laughs> that you will serve him in the face of circumstance. Preach, Pastor Rick. The Message Bible reads it like this. Not only that, but most of the Christians here have become far more sure of themselves in the faith than ever, speaking out fearlessly about God and about the Messiah. Mm. When you overcome, others see it and believe they can overcome. There's a greater cause to this circumstance. What has happened to me is helping others. I'm going to preach a message one day called Antibodies. Yeah. I was watching this report about this lady who went through this virus. And she was giving the antibodies from her blood. And she's crying because she's saying, my blood is saving somebody else's life. Because they're going to use those antibodies that have been through that season of suffering to give it to somebody else to strengthen them when they face the same season. Whew. What I came by to tell you is why wouldn't you let God use you as an antibody system in a chaotic time and say, God, if you take me through it, I'm going to give what I have to somebody that's having a hard time surviving it. Oh, preach Pastor Rick. So he says, I've gone through this, and because I've gone through it, other people was encouraged, and they started speaking the word of God more boldly, fearlessly. God is good, isn't he? My last point, and I'm done. I hope you're off your sofa running around your coffee table. I hope you're running through your living room, kicking your hind legs straight out. 
and shouting glory to God. I hope you hear a B3 in the back of your mind just getting down on that thing. Because I'm telling you, God is trying to move us and progress us. Come out of your staleness. Stop being scared. Stop being upset. Stop being full of fear. I bind it in Jesus' name. Man, God trusted us with this season. He believed in us enough. His gospel is advancing. The kingdom is growing. Other people are being encouraged by watching you. My God, today, finally, what happened is about to turn around. What happened is about to what? Turn around. Verse 19, for I know that this shall turn. Say it with me. I know that this shall turn. Come on, Quest. I know that this shall turn. Come on, church. I know that this shall turn. Come on, everybody. I know that this shall turn. And it's turning. It's turning right now. Some things never turn until there's prayer involved. He said, I know this shall turn. Why? Because of your prayers. <laughs> Things turn when people that love you start praying for you. Things turn when people that care start praying for you. Some things are never turned. Some things will never change without prayer. I believe with all of my heart if we've learned anything in this season, we should have learned how to pray like we've never prayed. I hope we have heeded to 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people, not any people, my people who are called by my name shall what? Number one, humble themselves. Number two, and what? Pray and seek my face. Whew, and turn. Then he said, I will turn and I will heal their land. Are you praying? Are you praying? Some things ain't never going to turn until we start praying. I'm sorry, y'all, I'm a little excited today. Not just because it's my wife's birthday. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. And I'm telling you, this too shall turn. It's already turning. Now watch what he says in Isaiah 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach what kind of news? Good news unto the meek. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. Verse 3, to appoint unto them that mourn. Where? In Zion. Zion is the church. To appoint unto them that are mourning in the church. To give unto them beauty for ashes, oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That ye shall be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that God can be glorified. When he says this in verse 3, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion. I challenge you to do the Hebrew study of that word, appoint. It means to call for change. To tell forth, here's what it means in the Hebrew, to tell forth the turnaround. To tell forth. Can I tell you something? You are anointed for what's already been appointed. 
There ain't nothing that has showed up that we do not have the power to tell it to turn. To declare, to speak, to call for change, to tell forth the turnaround. So some things will never change until you pray, and then some things will never change until you tell it to change. So you know what? Right now, just right there in your comments, just put these words, we are telling it to change. We're telling it to change. Until we declare, declare it and decree it, it ain't never going to change. And then finally, Job 14, 14. Listen carefully. If a man die, shall he live again? He answers his own question. All the days of my what time? Appointed time. Whew. I will wait till my change comes. Can I tell you change is coming? We've waited. We've endured. We've prayed. We've called it forth, and it's here. Change is right before us. I will wait till my change comes. I'm going to take you deep for a minute, so go ahead and put your oxygen tank on. I'm going to give you a minute to strap up. Because I didn't come to feed you milk out of a baby bottle. I come to give you something to chew on today. Let's talk about appointed times. Are you going to tell me that God is in control of time, but he's not in control of appointed times? If he's in control of all time, chronos, running time, then he's in control of kairos, appointed times. That means you can never run into a season of time that God does not control. That's an impossibility. Time is located in the parentheses of eternity. I told you we're going deep. Turn that oxygen up. Time is located in the parentheses of eternity. You are a parenthetical being. You live in the parentheses called time. Time is what God took out of eternity and inserted in the earth to accomplish his will. Time has a beginning and time has an end. If time has a beginning and time has an end, then seasons have a beginning and seasons have an end. Right. <clears throat> time is a place that God sets apart to accomplish a specific plan. Time is up. My God. The plan is set before the time starts. You can't tell me God didn't have a plan up behind this pandemic. He had a plan behind it, and he's going to accomplish it in its time. Time is so important. Job says, I realize I have an appointment in eternity, and it's called my time. And in that time, I have seasons. And in that time, I have appointments. <laughs> Woo, there's something that must be accomplished and I have a part in it. Now, I know I just went over many of your heads, but you need to grow up and get a little bit more spiritual. Yeah, you need to go on and move forward in your progress with your relationship with Jesus Christ so you can hear the meat of things and stop sucking on the milk of things. So I'm going to say it again. There is something that must be accomplished in this appointment, and you have a part in it, and that's what Paul is saying to the church at Philippi. God trusted me with these chains. It was appointed. 
whew, appointed time. All the days of my appointed time. You know what it means in Hebrew? Turnaround. All the days of my appointed time. Read it in the Hebrew. All the days of my turnaround. You know what a turnaround is? Time allotted for change. Some things will never change until you change. God brought you into it to change you. I told the Lord, I'm not going through this season and come out the same man I was before we hit this thing. So whatever you're doing, do it in me. Whatever you're doing in this season, do it in me. Because I want to come out closer to you. I want to come out knowing your ways and not just your acts. Moses knew the ways of God. The children of Israel knew the acts of God. You want to graduate in maturity? Learn his ways and stop looking for his acts. I want to come out of this thing knowing the ways of God. Some things will never change until you change. Here's your turnaround. The time it takes to receive something, deal with what you received, and turn that something into a good situation. Did y'all hear that? I'm going to say it one more time. Here's a turnaround. The time it takes for you to receive something, deal with something, and turn that something into a good situation. That's a turnaround. It's time for a turnaround. It's time for us to take this situation and give it back to God and say, look at here. Look at the good that has come out of this. The good in me, the good in my wife, the good in my children, the good in my church. It made us closer because the original intention was to divide us and separate us. But the opposite happened. We're closer now to each other than we've ever been. You thought social media was your enemy. Now it's our friend because it made it closer than we've ever been before. I hope you hear this word today. Some of you need a turnaround in your life. And let me tell you, all turnaround starts with surrender. When you give your life to Jesus Christ and you say, you be my Savior and my Lord. You know the word Lord is mentioned over 600 times in Scripture? Savior is mentioned a hundred and something times. Jesus doesn't want to just maybe be your Savior. He demands to be your Lord. That's the final authority, y'all. That's you saying, God, you are in control. See, many of you look at the kingdom of God like it's a democracy. The kingdom is not up for your vote. You don't get to vote in the kingdom. God is theocratic in all of his maneuvers. He's sovereign. He don't suggest things. He commands things. He demands things. Oh, he's a loving God and he's gentle, tender and gentle. And oh, he just comforts us. But he is Lord. He has the final word. He has the final say. So, so would you give your life to Jesus Christ as your, not just your Savior, not just because you want out of the situation, but would you give him your life to be your Lord? That means you're giving him the final say-so on everything. There's a turnaround coming when you surrender. There's a turnaround coming when you submit your will to God's will. I love you. I speak life to you and tell you your best is yet to come. It's time for a turnaround. 
If you don't know Jesus or you're away from Jesus, listen, he has a wonderful life for you. Just accept him today. Say, Lord, I receive you as my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me of all iniquity. He will come in and he will take over and you will be glad. So we love you. Can't wait to see you next Sunday.